And I want everything that he prepared for me. I don't want to lose anything, any little thing. And I'm preparing my heart to, to, uh, to listen. Amen. God bless you. And actually, uh, <clears throat> today we have a Paul Lavrentiev with us. Paul, can you come? And he is going to share his testimony. His testimony. It's so uh yeah we we just uh, agreed like maybe one um, maybe one hour ago and uh, uh he he has a powerful testimony and uh uh so god bless you Pavel. i don't know whatever you have god bless you Thank you. hallelujah praise the lord very powerful to know that you're led by the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, I'll share a testimony, but I want to share some things. In the Old Testament, there were only three kinds of people that had the Holy Spirit. Prophets, priests, and kings. And there were specific moments when the Holy Spirit would anoint them and they would be covered with the Holy Spirit and they would say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I want to ask you, have you felt that? Have you experienced the Spirit of the Lord upon you? Aaron, in Psalms, it says, that the anoint Aaron, the priest, with holy oil, and it runs down his face, down his beard, onto his robes. The new prophet, priest, and king is Jesus Christ. And we, the church, are his body. And when the anointing oil goes over the head of Aaron, it comes rolling down onto the robes of righteousness which Jesus gives us as a gift and covers us, the church. The church, we need to walk in that same anointing, in the power, seeking, praying all night as Jesus did. Would wake up in the morning before the sun would rise to pray. He sought the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Can you think about that? Jesus sought the anointing. 
In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And did they, not, they, they did not love their life even unto death. Two things are happening here. One, the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You know, when John the Baptist died, Jesus went in Matthew chapter 14 to try to find a desolate place because John the Baptist was the best friend of Jesus from childbirth. His cousin, he loved him very much, probably the same way that Jonathan loved David. And when he dies, he's hurting and broken and he's going to the place, to a desolate place to seek God and to pray. But the crowd saw him and they gathered there and he had compassion on them. Even though he was seeking to be alone with God, he had compassion on people. And he took bread and fish, and he broke it and he gave it to them. What is the bread? What is the fish? It is the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Jesus told the disciples that he would make them fishers of men, but first he fished them out. What is the fish? We are the fish. Our testimony, how he's caught us, how he's made us his and we give bread and fish to those who are hungry and have compassion on those who seek him. I was in Indonesia for four and a half months after missionary school. And then I came here. I was here for two weeks in Seattle visiting family. And then I went to California to, uh, to serve at a missionary school uh, full time. And two, two weeks in to the missionary school there, we, we have, so every morning we have prayer from 8 to 9 in the morning. And the Holy Spirit comes down and you feel the presence thick. Just like when the Ark of the Covenant was brought into the temple after it was just built. The whole place is filled that the ministers had to stop ministering because the Holy Spirit was there, the glory of the Lord. And I want to share a testimony that after one of those prayers, while the students are in class, I go to do my personal devotions time, and I go into the room to pray and seek after the Holy Spirit. And I just get on my knees, uh, and, 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 I'm, and my hands are stretched like this, and the Holy Spirit moves. Guys, I recommend this, guys. I never did this before until about a year and a half ago. Sing to powerful especially when you're alone and when you sing don't just sing like listen to what the holy spirit is telling you to sing sing something stop listen sing something stop listen you can do it just freely but also there's times when we need to say god what kind of song would you want me to sing today and i'm on my knees and i'm singing this song Three minutes goes by and I finish the song. It's just such a quiet song. And Tom's just silence, just me and the Lord. And I sit there and I finish and I'm just sitting in silence and I'm meditating on the Holy Spirit and on Jesus. And I'm so grateful for you, God, for all that you have done. So much for me in my life. You've taken me out of such sin. You've taken me out of darkness. I knew you. I walked away for years. 
years and then you brought me back and you're using me and I'm sitting there in silence just thinking on it and the Holy Spirit like the wind I love that Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit as the wind because truly you don't know when he's going to come and you don't know when he's going to go he just comes and ah, I love you hi but <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there on my knees and I'm just meditating and all of a sudden the presence of God just enters me and the Holy Spirit just comes and I just sense him so clearly like I've never heard in my entire life never, never he says just matters he loves me the next 40 minutes I'm not kidding you the next 40 minutes I'm walking back forth in the room tears coming down my face and all I'm saying is the same stuff I'm saying that's my God that's my God that's the God that I want to become nothing for and be have him become everything that I would disappear because I could never satisfy anyone ever the way that he just satisfied me with the three most quiet words I want him to shine in me. I want to disappear that he would appear in glory. From the beginning, the Holy Spirit has been searching and burning, burning for people to save, burning. The bush is burning in the desert, calling out who will go and save. In the Old Testament, there was the law, and we follow it with our minds, but with the Spirit, we put it aside, and He is now the new law. It doesn't free us to do things like, like sin. It frees us to do more, because now He's telling us to come to people and talk to them. That's the new law. He's always leading us. He's the voice inside. presence of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing like it. When the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, it's, you're not thinking of it. You, you just know. It's just oof, power. And, you know, I, at the missionary school, in my semester when I was a student, graduated a year ago, hallelujah, praise God, a year ago this week, and in my semester, there was a man who had 666 tattoos on his fingers. He was my, my roommate in the bunk right next to me. He has no top teeth. <laughs> <laughs> he has oh, he just been through hell on earth. His mom was a, addicted to drugs, and she threw him out in the cold in Utah when it's snowing, wearing nothing but boxers all night at 8 
years old, I think, maybe seven or nine, all night. She comes out of her daze in the morning. She opens the door. He's freezing icicles on him at that young age. Takes him. She turned the bathtub on at full heat. She's not realizing what she's doing. She takes him and she throws him into the bathtub after having been frozen all night at the hottest the water can be. And he says at that Later on in his teens, his brother, 11 years old, died in his arms when he's sleeping. Got so addicted to meth and heroin that he, he was possessed even. He went into demonic occult. He put, he put blood, he cut himself into a Ouija board. The Ouija board absorbs the blood. This guy's in the worst, darkest place he could ever be. Doesn't want God, doesn't care because Everything in life went sour. He tried to kill himself last moment before he's passing out from the overdose of drugs. He says, God, save me. He passes out. He wakes up in the hospital, saved, goes and continues living the same lifestyle. This is my roommate. <laughs> His, his apartment was so dark, he had garbage bags over the windows so that sunlight wouldn't be in. He saw demonic figures in his room. He was possessed massively. It's a real thing. I know this person. He had told me this face to face in darkness. Grandparents, Mormon, American, everything. Just He's walking to a gas station. It's over. I'm going to kill myself this time. And I go to, he sees it. He already has a plan in his mind. He sees a bathroom at the gas station a couple blocks, maybe a block. He says, I'm going to go into that bathroom. I'm going to slit my wrists, and I'm going to die. And he has one ear that says that, and the other. From someone, I, God will provide. What? No. I'm going to go kill myself. Kill myself, but God will provide. What's going on? He, whatever. I'm still going to the gas station bathroom. He's walking. He gets into the parking lot of the gas station bathroom. A God will provide rehab van pulls up right in front of him, opens the door, and says, "Come to rehab with us." He's. <laughs> The, the person in that van was my leader at the mission when I was here. This is not a made-up story. This is not a friend of a friend of a friend who told this. These are my friends. And I'm the friend of a friend who's telling you. <laughs> and he says, only if you guys let me smoke the last cigarette. And usually they never let him do that, but they had a conversation. And he says, on one condition, if you promise to stay one month We'll let you. Fine. <laughs> he goes, big beard, nasty hair. He gets into, he's paranoid, he's schizophrenic, he's demonically possessed. 
all this arguments, arguments, fighting, da 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 da. Blah. Oh, he's packed up his bag at least six times to leave, but he's like, oh, I promised one more, one more. Let's just see. The date, twenty-seventh day. He's there. He's there's his prayer. He gets baptized by the Holy Spirit in power and in glory. And when he's telling me this testimony that this is him, I'm thinking, bro. When I saw you walking, you stubbed your toe and you say, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> That's the same brother? That's the same guy? That's our God. That's the God that I believe in. That's the God that does things that no one can ever think of or imagine. In this semester, there's two brothers, two friends. Christian guys. There's two friends. They were so heavily addicted to drugs. He overdosed over 20 times. And he's like not even 25. He's not even 22. Young, good looking, bold, healthy, beautiful guy. Handsome men, right? Just like honestly. But so heavily addicted to drugs. That one time, they're in the car. They're doing drugs together. They're so overdoing it that the man dies in his arms and for seven minutes he's dead and the friend is weeping and saying Lord have mercy God have mercy and God did have mercy he came back to life by this man's prayers of mercy even in the midst of his sin God saved him when he came to the missionary school before he came he was, guys, this is not glorious. This is not amazing. This is not, but it's what God does. A man who is far past help, no hope, no salvation. He, his mom took away his keys. He's jumping out of the second story of his house just to get a fix. He's arguing. He's never yelled at his mom, and he lost it. He completely lost control. His family is crying. He's locked the door. They're banging. They're saying, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he says, leave me alone. I'm like a dead dog. And you guys are kicking me when I'm on the ground already. Just leave me alone. And he cries out in the midst of this darkness. And he says, God, please have mercy on me. Please, please. 30 seconds later, the phone rings. It says, hey, come to school as God will provide missionaries. there he had drugs in the class to help him different drugs that he wasn't addicted to to help him to get off the drugs that he was on to help him with the withdrawals that's how dark he was he has these drugs prepared all of a sudden wonderful thought I was jumping out of the second story of my house in order to avoid withdrawals because they're so bad Fourth day, he takes the drugs that he had to free him from the withdrawals and throws them away. No withdrawals, complete healing by the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Praise God, right? Isn't, yeah. Now both of these brothers, they're going. 
if I could just share with you guys the amazing things that God is doing in their lives, how they're completely giving everything to Jesus, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. How often does the Holy Spirit call us to minister to someone and we resist? You guys know what I'm talking about? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I remember when I was young, about 18, I'm in Barnes and Nobles and the Holy Spirit saying, go talk to that woman. I'm like, no way. I get in my car and I'm like, and then I'm repenting and I'm crying. I'm like, Lord, I'm so sorry. And the Holy Spirit says, go back and get her. I'm like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I can't, I can't do this. He's always giving grace. He's looking and he's burning the burning bush saying, go stay with me. Go stay with me. Go listen to my voice. Surrender to my voice. Surrender to what I'm doing. Go to where I'm Another brother in a gang. One of the teachers grew up in such a broken household. His father had, his mother had five husbands. Unbeliever. Was a meth addict. A dealer. Fourteen years ago when I was clean. He says, by the grace of God, I haven't said a cuss word. never knew what Christianity was about. Never grew up hearing about Jesus in my life. One of the most anointed men of God. I remember in my semester he's teaching and he always asked this question. Imagine what your life would look like if you prayed two hours a day. Again, he always says every day in the Bible class. Imagine what your life would look like 20 years from now if you prayed two hours a day. And I'm like, I'm imagining it. <laughs> you know? And I come up on the last day, and I ask him, how, how much do you pray? He says, I don't do it every day, but by the grace of God, I try to pray two hours a day every day. That's not possible. He runs over 27 employees. Who has a, and he has five children. He's a pastor of a church. And the employees that he runs are separate from the church. close with this. Jesus, after John the Baptist dies, and he gave food to the apostles. He gave the fish and the bread to the apostles, and they distributed to the people after they ate. He's giving us food, and he says, distribute. He sends the crowds away. The apostles get in the boat. Two, three, four in the morning. The late watch. And he's weeping and mourning. He's thinking about his cousin, his best friend, whom he loves. And through the midst of that pain and that darkness, you know what I think he's doing? Worshiping. In my most darkest hour. Oh.
I know in that moment the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's up there till four in the morning and he walks down the mountain. Lightning, thunder, the winds are raging, the sea is going crazy. John the Baptist, what was his ministry? Baptism, right? John the Baptist. He walks into the water, waist deep, and baptizes people, symbolizing what? Death. As you were baptized into Christ, Colossians, you have been raised with him and you have put on Christ. So we're raised, but we're put on Christ. There's a dilemma. We're still waist deep. We still have our flesh. We're still falling sometimes. We're with Christ, in Christ. He's in us. We're one with him. But we're still wasting. Death, resurrection, waste deep. And when he's on the mountain worshiping, he says, and sees John the Baptist is dead. The old wineskins have bursted and the new has come. And he walks off the mountain in glory with the storms raging. When he's in the most sorrow, thinking that his, whom he loved more than any else, is dead. And what does he do? He steps on the water. That is the new baptism. That's the future glory. That's why he came to save us. That we would be with him in great heights, having no longer sinful bodies, but having glorious resurrection bodies like his. And when he walks out onto the water, he's declaring with every step that they, though they are dead halfway, I will raise them in new life and they will no longer be in their sins. They will walk on water with me. And he comes to Peter and he says, come. And he calls you and he calls us now. Come, 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 come. The Holy Spirit is burning and he says, come. I want to save the world. I want to call the lost. I want to use you. Come, come. Who will come? The bush is burning. The spirit is calling. And he wants to save his people. Come. Come. That's it. God bless you. I'm going to be back to Aceh, Indonesia, where it's Islamic State, it's Sharia law, where evangelism is illegal, um, the persecution is high. I got to visit an underground church there with 21 believers, powerful. The believers are prophesying. They're crying and their presence is glorious. And they don't meet on Sundays, they meet on Friday nights, Fri sorry, Friday around 1 when all the Muslims are in the mosques because that's their holiday. And that's the only way they can meet without getting found out. And they worship in spirit and in truth, being led by the Holy Spirit. Listen, don't, don't follow the law with your mind. Examine and open your ears and listen to what the Holy Spirit is calling you. And he doesn't free you up. He calls you to do more. But the yoke is with Jesus and it's easy because he gives you the strength. So I want to ask if you guys could pray. Let's pray uh, for Indonesia. Yeah, can we pray for Indonesia right now?
Jesus, we pray, God, that you would come, God, before us, Lord. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Praise God. Uh, I don't know when I hear uh, stories of, of, of what God is doing or testimonies, it's like uh, something in, in, inside of me just starts boiling and uh, just amazing to hear how God moves in, in uh, everywhere, all around the world. God can do what he wants. He, he can change whoever he wants in. And, uh, and I realized this, that we're not going to hear, uh, or I guess I should say, I won't, I won't hear stories like that just uh, chasing my own dreams or, or making my own plans here, here in Seattle and just kind of living my life. I'll, I'll never hear stories like that, and I'll never see testimonies like that with my eyes. It's, I think it's when you, when you take a leap of faith, when you, when you move after God, when you go somewhere where, where the world's not inviting you to go, where, where God is leading you to go, that's where you begin to see miracles. And that's where you begin to see God really move and, 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 and do amazing things. And if we can open up to Philippians chapter 3, we're going to be, we're pretty much going to go through this whole chapter. We're going to talk about what Paul was writing to the Philippians in this chapter and, uh, We'll see how we can apply that to our lives so that we can become more like Christ. And uh, let's, read the, uh, let's read the first six verses together. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and, and, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So it's a very uh, interesting word that, that Paul is saying here. And, and in the first verse, the, 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 the words are finally my brethren. So uh, those of us who were at retreat, uh, when Dennis was speaking about the Bible, you know, he, he mentioned that it was written as a letter, right? And then chapters and verses were added later on to help us navigate through the Bible but in this first verse he says finally my brethren so it's like Paul himself he's kind of like starting a new point he's starting a new idea he's saying finally this rejoice in the Lord and he's writing the same things to them and then all of a sudden it's like his attitude changes or, or, or what he's saying is changes he, he switches and he goes beware of dogs beware of evil workers and beware of the mutilation and when we the term dogs is, is always referred to, it was used in the Old Testament, I believe, in, in uh, either the book of Exodus or Leviticus, and then Jesus used it. And any time the word dog was used, it was always used to reference false teachers. It's always a word that either God, through, through his prophets, or Jesus used to describe false teachers in his body or in his church. So it's not talking about the people of this world. 
you know, the word even teaches us to not even judge the people of this world because there's no point to judge the people of this world. They're of this world. We know where the outcome. But it says, you know, study and judge the people who are in the body. You know, that's where we should kind of pay attention. That's where we should focus. And especially when someone's a teacher, when someone is, is, is preaching a message, we should check what they're saying to make sure that it's aligned with the word of God, to make sure that it's aligned with what he he, what Jesus did when he was here, what Paul wrote in his letters. And he's saying, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. And then he starts talking about how, and then he starts talking about circumcision and how we are the circumcision. And then he should have confidence in the flesh more than anyone else because he's the truest Jew that exists. He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. He did everything according to the law of Moses. He's blameless according to the law. And he's saying, if, if there's anybody at all who can brag, it's me. And then verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. So he's saying, I, I have the most rights out of all of you, out of anybody else to brag. I, I, according to the law of Moses, according to the law that we've lived in and served God with for, for the past however thousand many years, I'm blameless. I did everything right. I was persecuting anybody who was going against the law. I'm a real Jew. I, 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 have, I have the right to brag before you guys. But I count all these things as loss. I count all these things as rubbish. I count everything as garbage, as, as trash, as nothing. He's saying nothing that's, that's around him, none of these factors that make him blameless according to the law matter anymore. Everything is, is counted as rubbish. Everything. I count all things as lost. All things. Can you, can you think of something that, that, that matters to you today that's of this world? I think we can, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think any of us are... And, and, and incredibly holy or perfect. I think we all have something in this world that we probably enjoy. Whether it's, it's, it's the car that you drive, whether it's some kind of food, whether it's um, a, a friendship or, or a relationship with somebody, anything. Anything that's of value to you. Paul says, I count all things as rubbish. Everything. When compared to the knowledge of Christ. Everything. So reading this and, and, and understanding this principle or idea, why is it so difficult to let go of some things of this world? Why is it so difficult to, to, to give everything up to God? Why, why is there always something inside of us that's trying to hold on to something? Why is that sinful nature always moving and always, and always pulling us back when we're trying to follow God? When we're trying to move after him. Why, why is it like that? And then you realize that, hey, this is, this is Christianity. This is our struggle. 
This is the same thing that Jesus went through when he was here, when he was in the garden, and, 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 and that same nature was pulling him back before he said the words, let your will be done. He was, he was made out of the same flesh as we are. He, he had the same struggles as we are. And we see that he was able to overcome. We see that he was able to be victorious. Paul said about himself that I, I have run the race. He says, I, I finished. I, I did what I was supposed to do. I am victorious. So we see now, we see Jesus was able to do it. We see Paul was able to do it. All of his disciples, uh, other than Judas, they stayed true till the end. Whether they were killed or whether they were, you know, whether they died on some island somewhere, they all made it to the end. So it's like, okay, so, so there's a way that's possible to do this, right? Now, is there anything special about the disciples that, that you don't have? Did they have a, an extra hand? Did they have an extra foot that maybe we don't have? Did they have two hearts? Did they have four legs? Did, was there something unique about them? No, the only thing that's unique about them that, that, that can be unique about them from any other person is they gave themselves up for Christ. That's it. And that's something anybody in this room can do. And there's nothing holding you back except for yourself, except for that sinful nature that's inside of you. And if you give that nature power, if you keep feeding it, it'll become stronger and it'll hold you back that much more. But now, how do we let go of the things of this world? What, what, what do we do? It's, it's, it's so enticing. You know, we're here on, on Fridays. We, we worship God. We hear the word. We pray. We might have tears on our eyes at the end. We might make these decisions like, I'm never going to do this again. God, I'm going to follow you. Next time there's a mission trip to Mexico, I'm going to go for sure. And we, and we make all these decisions. And then Saturday comes, and it's a day of leisure, and we hang out, and we do things, and maybe we regret some things. Then, then on Sunday morning, we come here again, and we're excited. And we're, God, forgive me. God, I repent. I said I wouldn't do it again. And, and, and we go through the same process on Sunday, and then there's a long break until, until you know, home group or, or, or next Friday service. And, and, and it's like you're living in, the, in this cycle, in this cycle where you take, you take a step forward and then you take a step back. Or you take two steps forward and then you take two steps back, and you don't see any results, and you don't see anything changing inside of you. And then you actually start noticing that over time, it's actually easier and easier and easier to hold on to the things of this world. For some reason, there, even though it seems like it, there's never a neutral zone in your life. There's never a point where you're just standing in the same spot. If you're not moving forward, it's like there's something always pulling you back. And if you're not growing in your relationship with God, you're actually regressing in your relationship with God. If you're not getting closer to Him, you're getting further away. You, you can't ever stay in the same place. It might seem like that for a couple of days or a couple of weeks or months, maybe even years. You might, it might seem like you're, you're right with God, everything's fine. But you might be like Gideon. And you're like, I'll, I'll just, you know, use my, or not Gideon, sorry, Samson. And I'll just use my powers like I did before. Oh, they're gone. In, in, in the very moment when you need it, it's gone. Well, well the Spirit of God was, was on me in the past. Isn't He on me still? And He's gone. And what do we need to do? What, what, what do we need to do to, to make sure that we're growing in that relationship with, with Christ? What, what, what do we need to hold on to? What, how, how do we pull ourselves forward? Because it's hard. I don't, I, I don't think it's... Without God, it's not even possible. But as we heard, He gives us His grace. You know, He gives us His mercy. He, he gives us everything that we need. It says that He'll never give us above what our strength can handle. So anything that you're going through, anything that you're struggling with, God knows what you're going through, and God knows that He's given you the power to overcome it. 
So oftentimes, as, as simple as, as it sounds, the only thing that needs to change is whether you really want to follow God or not. The only thing that you really need to change is whether, hey, do I want to make that decision? Do I want to let go of the things of this world? Or do I not want to? And it's not even a decision up here. It's a decision in your heart. Because you can fall. You, and, and the word, word of God says that the righteous will fall. And then they'll get up and they'll continue to go. But you're saying, but how, how, how are they righteous? They've fallen in their sin. They've fallen in this. They've fallen in that. They've failed in this. Why are they righteous? They're righteous because the second part of it is they get up and they continue to move. That's why they're righteous. That's what makes them righteous. And same thing. You, you fall. You stumble. You, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to start kind of justifying that sin? Are you going to say, well, the Bible's not really clear on this. Well, it was written, you know, 2,000 years ago. Well, the, well, it doesn't really apply to, the, to the, today's day and age. You know, it doesn't, say any, it doesn't really say don't drink alcohol. It doesn't really say this. It, you know, you, you could justify these things, and it's like, well, you can justify those things, but then you're not going to grow in your relationship with Christ. And that's where you're making that decision. Whether you realize it or not, you're making that decision when you choose to justify your sins or when you choose to accept the word of God the way that it is and, and, and just take it in, in, in its fullness, not parts of it, not verses, not chapters, not books, all of it. And that's when you'll see growth. That's when, that's when you'll see that you're actually starting to surround yourself with the kind of people who have the same goal as you. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's really difficult to follow after God and be friends with the people of this world. Because on top of your flesh always pulling you back, now you have two or three or four people that are also always pulling you back. Have you ever tried to pull three or four people? It's kind of difficult to do, right? Especially when we're talking about Christianity and it's a struggle and it's a grind and it's like you're climbing a mountain. You try to carry three or four people up a mountain. Have you ever watched those videos of, of, of people climbing tall mountains? Have you ever wondered how, why there's one person standing at the top and he's helping everybody else get up? You guys know what I'm talking about? Kind of like there's always a person and he doesn't necessarily have to be really big. And he can carry people bigger than him up the mountain. He's planted in the ground. He, he has his foundation built. There's things holding him on top of the mountain. And then he can pull people up. It's a very simple principle. But as he's climbing the mountain himself, he can't pull anybody up. And that's the same thing. If, if you're in a situation where you're growing as a Christian yourself, you're trying to figure out your place in God's kingdom yourself. You're trying to figure out what his will is for your life. You're trying to... You're, you're struggling and you're fighting and you're overcoming sins and it's this process. While you're in this process, it's hard for you to carry somebody up the mountain that you're going up, uh, up, up, uh, that you're going up yourself. And, you know, in the end result, yeah, once you're on top of the mountain, then you can focus on pulling people up. But especially in, in, in this age, in, in the teen ages, that's the moment where you're climbing up the mountain. That's the moment where you need to figure out where you're going to root your life. Either it's going to be in this world or it's going to be in heaven. And, and now is the time when you kind of choose. And then 15 to 20 years from, from now, you'll start to, to see results from the decisions that you're making today. 
And it, it's just like Paul says, like, can you imagine your life if you were just to pray two hours a day? That's, you know, it's, you think about it with your mind and it's like, it's difficult, but it's, it's, it's doable. It's not impossible. It's, it's hard. Yeah, it, it, it's going to require a lot of strength. It's going to require a lot of sacrifice, but it's possible. And it's like, do, do I want the results that will come from that in five or ten years? Or am I more comfortable playing video games for two hours right now? You know, and, and then seeing the results from that in five to ten years. And it's kind of like with every decision, yeah, you know, right, right now it's easy to pick the easy thing. It's, it's you know, it's, it's comfortable. It's, you know, I want to do this. This is more fun. But what is this going to lead to? And if, if we can learn one thing from the Bible is that every person that we read about in the Bible, there's a beginning and there's an end. And we see the decisions that a person makes and then we see the result from those decisions. And that's something we need to learn to apply to our life. Is you have to always look like, okay, what I'm doing today, how is that going to affect me in five years? How is that going to affect me in a month even? And, and, and then it might start to become a little bit easier to make these decisions when, when you have that kind of that kind of mindset or when that's your goal it's hey it's to finish the race that's what i want to do i want to i want to stand before god you know in in heaven and i want to say i did everything i could god in and and hear the words good and faithful servant that's the end result and it's like okay now i know the goal what do i need to do to get to that the word is, is, is very clear, and you know, I don't even have time to go over everything. You, you, you hear a message every Friday night, you hear it every Sunday morning of, of, of what you need to do to get to that end result. Now it's just a matter of, hey, do I want to apply this to my life or not? And, and, and uh, I was really thankful to Dennis that he mentioned this at the retreat, but there's this mindset that, oh, give it all up to God, God will do everything for you. Well, where is that in the Bible that he'll do everything for you? You don't need to do anything. No, everybody t took a leap of faith. Everybody made a decision. Everybody started to follow after God, and then God gave them everything they needed. There was still initially a, a step made by the person, whether it was, it was a physical step, whether it was a decision in their heart, whether it was something in their character broke. There was always something that happened before God showed up, before God poured out his grace, before God just completely transformed somebody. Because even that story we heard about the guy, he could have just not gotten in the bus and never went to rehab. There was still a decision, yet God prepared everything, and it's like, hey, everything is ready for you. You just need to make that step. And the same thing applies to every single one of our lives. God is always waiting. It says he's knocking at the door and he's just waiting for the door to be open. He's always there. And all, all he's waiting for is just for the door to be open. And he'll transform your life. He'll change the way that you think. He'll, he'll change the way that you value things. He'll, he'll, he'll change your whole mentality of this world and, and what matters to you and what doesn't. And all, all it takes is that decision in your heart that's like okay god i don't know how i don't know how i don't know how this is even going to be possible because i love the things of this world so much but I'll, I'll give everything up for you in uh verse 12 paul says not that i have already attained or am already perfected but i press on that i may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, 
I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nonetheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. So I already mentioned that Paul got to the point where he said, I finished the race. This is somewhere in the middle of his path. Because he's saying, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm still perfecting it. I'm still learning. And even in this moment, he already, he realized that point. He's, he, he, I think it was in the very first verse we read in verse, uh, da, 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 da. In verse 14, I press towards the goal. I press towards the goal. So can you, when you hear the word press, what, what, what comes to your mind? How, how would you define the word press? Can, you guys can just yell it out. The word press. Okay, applying pressure. Pushing. Pushing a button. Okay, pushing a button. So it's all, everything that requires some kind of motion, right? Can I stand in one place and press something? So it says you have to do something, right? You have to apply something. You can't just, if he says I press on towards the goal, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm heading to that door. I'm going to walk out of the church. I'm pressing on towards the goal. I don't, I'm not going to get there anytime soon. I'm just going to stand here. In fact, you guys are all going to go home. The lights are going to turn off, and I'm still going to be standing here. And when you combine that with the fact that there's people pulling you back, when you have a flesh that's pulling you back, if you're not pressing on, if you're not moving in this direction, you can't even stand still because something's always going to be pulling you back. And that's why he says, I press on. I press on. And he's constantly trying to grow. He says, forget the past. And once again, focus on the future. Focus on what's coming after. Fo focus on, on, on where I'm heading. Focus on the destination. Forget about the past. All the good and all the bad. Everything that's in the past is in the past. That's it. It's gone. You can't relive it. You can't live by yesterday's manna. You can't live by yesterday's revelations. You can't survive off of it for long. Move forward. Okay, what does God want to say today? What, what is the Spirit saying today? What is the Spirit saying right now? And that's what will help you to press. That, that's, where, that's where there's always going to be a part of you that's, that's, that's seeking God. That's like, okay, God, what do you want to say today? That's how you press. That's how you move. That's how you act. That's how you apply pressure on yourself. And, and the more and more you do that, the less and less power your flesh will have. Because the more you press, the, 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 the less desire you'll even have for this world. The less love you'll have for this world. And you'll realize the things that you used to love to do. You look at them now and you're like, man, how did I waste so much time focused on these things? Because when you have a different mentality, when you have a different goal in mind, when there's a completely different direction that you're moving towards than what the rest of this world is pushing you to do, you, you begin to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And then in the end, he says, let's all have this mind. Saying, let's all have this mind. Let's, you know, be united in, in this thing. Because when we're united, when we're all going in the same direction, it's easier.
can help one another. We can, you know, we can, we can pull each other in, in, in the right direction when it's difficult. Let's all have this mind. Because God's plans are, are, are better than ours. I think we, if we don't say that every Friday, I don't know what else we say here on Fridays, but his plans are better than ours. His, his will is greater than ours. And then uh, in verse 17, and we're going to read to the end of the chapter. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and I'll tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who set their mind on earthly things for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So what's, what's Paul's end result? Where, where is Paul focused on? Heaven. Heaven. That's, that's what his goal He's like, okay, my mind is already in heaven and, and my body's down here. What do I do with my body down here so that I can go to heaven? And then he says a scary thing that there are so many believers. You know, he's, once again, he's not talking about the people of this world. He says, many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. That's the thing that combines all those believers. Is their mind is on earthly things. And it says their end is destruction. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. Those who have their mind on earthly things. And, uh, you know, and we can go into specifics of what is, you know, the God of their belly means, what is all these things. You can do that on your own time. Do your research and, and, and figure out exactly what Paul meant here in, in this context. But the one thing that combines them, like I said, is their mind is on earthly things. Their mind is on the things of this world. Their mind is always on sports. Their mind is always on their jobs or, or their degrees or their education. Their mind is always on the things of this world. And, and, and you know, and those things can be a blessing for you. You can, you, you can have a job and even make good money and you can be blessed and you can be a blessing for others or it can completely consume you. And both of those people can go to the same church and hear the same message on Sunday mornings. Because as soon as we leave the church on Sunday mornings, that's when our heart begins to move. And that's when our lives are defined by what's really in there. So let's set our minds, all of us. You know, we, I, was, I was personally really blessed by the retreat and I... 
I felt like we grew as a youth, that we got closer. If you weren't there, you just missed out. But it's okay, we love you anyways. We'll have, we'll have more retreats, I, I, I believe. But let's all have this same mind. Let's all have that same goal. Let's all be focused on heaven. Let's move towards that and do whatever it takes to get that result. If, if, if you have to, as painful as it is, if you have to cut some friendships, do it. It's better to enter heaven with one eye than, than, than go to hell with two. You know, it's better to, to cut off your own arm and get to heaven. Do whatever it takes. Make sure that you get there. And then, and then when you're strong, yeah, you can help others. You can encourage others. You can witness. You can evangelize. You can be the light to this, to this world. Yeah, you, you, can, you, know, you can do all these things. But make sure that you're there first. Make sure that you're moving there. Make sure that, that you're running this, this marathon because everything else in this world will fade away. Amen. Let's uh, stand up. We're going to pray. And uh, just in this prayer, let's just say the same words of Paul. Let's just say, God, I want to press on. God, I want to have my mind on heavenly things and not on earthly things. I want to.